Blog Talk Radio. This is Tom Donaldson, Donaldson Files here on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the show. We're going to be on the. We're going to be talking about a lot of different things here tonight. Uh, the Swamp Girl will be joining me very shortly. In fact, I, I see that she is now online. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So just stay right there a second here. I'm getting your mic on, baby. <laughs> so yeah, uh hmm. well, like I said, just uh, stay tuned here because like I say we're having a little issue with the mic. Uh your mic, I'm not sure if you're actually broadcasting or you're talking. I know I can hear you. You can hear me fast? Hold on just a second here. Okay. You know what I'm going to have you do? Uh, can you call right back in? So I'm going to have you call back in if you could do that because we're having some issues here. I can't figure out what's going on. Uh, I am going to do here. We're going to have a, uh, a a little bit of brief uh, music here as we have uh, some we got some technical issues here. We'll take care. But in the meantime, listen to Billy Joel on the piano. Tonight 
Now John at the bar is a friend of mine He gets me my drinks for free And he's quick with a joke Or to light up your smoke But there's some place that he'd rather be with David, who's still in the Navy, and probably will be for life. Hello.
Oh, this is this is Fred. We're gonna blame this on Fred tonight. Yeah. Tom, I can't hear anything. Hello. Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. to give Dad his medicine. Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. to give Dad his medicine. Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. to give Dad his medicine. At 6 a.m., I make his breakfast. Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. to give Dad his medicine. At 6 a.m., I make his breakfast. At 7 a.m., I shower. Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. to give Dad his medicine. At 6 a.m., I make his breakfast. At 7 a.m., I shower. I start laundry at 8. At 10, we go for a walk. Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. For those dealing with the daily struggles of caring for a loved one, we hear you. That's why AARP created a community with experts and other caregivers for advice, tips, and support. Together, let's help each other better care for ourselves and the ones we love. Visit aarp.org slash caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Hello. Hello. Okay. We're going to start the show. There you are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was too much fun. I blame yeah, it on Fred. We're, yeah. Yeah. We're going to start the show all over again. And this time we're going to get everything right. So ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Donaldson Files. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Donaldson Files here on the Bachelor News Radio Network. We got Pam with us tonight uh, here on the Tuesday edition, and we're going to do a lot of different things. I mean, everything's like I say, the world's going straight to hell in a handbasket. Uh, so, and so, Pam, how are you doing? How's your dad doing? Now you, uh, you he's said doing you, pretty good. Yeah, we've been dodging guys, Fred tornadoes all day. Ah. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, yeah. they just, you know, they had one that, the last one that I heard was just a little while ago, and I was sitting on my front porch watching it when I was talking to you earlier. Um, yeah. It was over the V.C. Sumner nuclear plant out there. I'm like, oh, that's just Ooh, that's, that's great to have. So, yeah. 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 All right. So, Here, yeah, like I said, we got so much going on this week. Obviously, the big news is Afghanistan. We will get to that. Uh, but I'm gonna, I was going to start the show off, and I'm going to start it off with, this. I'm going to use the word because the theme tonight is going to be have we become a mediocre nation? Mediocrity reigning supreme. And I begin this with this lesson. Uh, the governor of Oregon signed a bill ending the requirement of high school te- uh, students 
to be proficient reading, writing, arithmetic before graduation. And and, I, and this is one of those things where I'm looking at this story and I'm thinking to myself, mediocrity. We are encouraging mediocrity because we're in effect saying, you know, you don't have to be the best you can be. You don't have to learn the materials. You just have to show up and get your get your degree. And the message to students are rather clear. I call it the bigotry of lower expectation. And, and I'm going to contrast this to something that, let's say, uh, you know, we saw, you know, we had on our show two weeks ago, we had a, a very interesting fellow. He was a Democrat who's the, you know, the head of the school board in Prince Williams County in Northern Virginia. And we got talking about education, and he said, look, my goal is very simple. I want every student to have the opportunity to be the best they can be, learn everything. I want them learning, you know, science. Technology, engineering, mathematics, science. I mean, you know, they're, you know the, the, what they need for the rest of their lives and be the best they can be. And this is the complete opposite. And I think the message is have we become a nation that's encouraging mediocrity as we're going to be as we push through uh, tonight's program? And, and what's your thoughts? Well, in all honesty, I have met people with, like, four-year college degrees that are dumber than dirt. So have we become that? I think we have been that for a while. For some reason, they're not teaching mm-hmm. the they're not teaching the basics in school. And for this Oregon, uh, you said the governor did this or education? Yeah, this is the statewide. Yeah, this is statewide. The, yeah, yeah. This is statewide. Uh, I think all, uh, they're think, all they're thinking of is that you need a high school diploma to get a job these days to get a better paying job to get that $15 or whatever. And I think that that's, you're not thinking of the long-term consequences of, of this as all, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, 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 I mean, here's the thing. Yeah. I mean, this, you know, here's the, I, I find myself in a situation where I'm reading this because, you know, you know, what we've witnessed over the past week in Afghanistan I mean, it's beyond mediocrity. I mean, it's like we didn't even have a game plan. It was like, <laughs> uh, you know, and we're going to, like you say, we'll get more into that. But this is one of those things where you say to yourself, you know, we are, you know, I, as you make the point, you know, we, this has been going on for a while. But I can tell you, I, I, I don't know, again, I can remember in high school, you know, I had teachers that, quite frankly, they made you learn the, the material. I can remember taking a final exam in algebra, and we had one problem. And you had all class and all night to figure it out. You, know, you think it would be easy, right? And right. I, mean, I mean, everything we had to learn in algebra, basically was put in this problem. And it took literally, in fact, he even said, hey, I don't even care if you guys get together in a group to figure this out. And he walked out the door. <laughs> and we spent the rest of the class and afterwards we all a group of us met and it took us four hours to figure this out because it seemed like every time we get into some area something else popped up but it was like his lesson of saying you know it was his lesson of difficulty you know how smart are you how much are you willing to you know what is it going to take for you to figure this out 
it was like the ultimate test. And the second well, story. You can, Go ahead. You can compare that to Afghanistan then because that was uh, not thought out, not well, and not well planned, was it? No, it really wasn't. I mean, here's the, yeah, I mean, this is the thing because here's, I mean, you know, it's kind of like the, uh, we've been told repeatedly the best and the brightest are now taken over. We've been assured the best and the brightest are taken over. You know, the adults are now in charge. And, and I and I wrote a few notes here uh, dealing with this. I want to kind of and, and let me just get it right here. I'm gonna get it okay. Uh, and and one of the few things you know, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, okay. I mean, essentially, what was the game plan? I mean, the bottom line is. I mean, we did. If you could do everything wrong, you managed to do it wrong. Uh, you asked the the you know your military, you know the the administration. Well, the Americans, you know, how many Americans are still left in Kabul? I don't know. Um, you know, how about the those? Uh, let's say the Afghans who've been working with us and who we basically promised we get them out. Uh, I don't know. Uh, well, um, in my opinion, though, the, the game plan was social, was uh, optics. Yeah. It was a social event. It was optics. That, that, that was the whole game yeah. plan because they, he wanted he wanted everybody to be out by September the 11th of all. I mean, that was unholy yeah. as all get out. But um, and so in order to do that, they had to move up the plan and, uh, you know, I listened to Representative Joe Wilson this morning here, um, who mm-hmm. is a veteran and his, you know, sons have done. He pretty much laid it out pretty, pretty evenly in describing that it was all for effect. It was the the the, the plan of yeah. going out when they went out was all that was an optical effect, you know, and. Uh, that was what the grand yeah. plan was. That was a scheme. Well, the whole you know, scheme here, was, and, and it wasn't yeah, thought yeah. out. It wasn't even, no, you know, and he, he said know, that yeah. half of the Taliban were Al-Qaeda, you know? <laughs> yeah. So. Well, I mean, the, you know, I mean, you know, here's the thing, you know, I mean, like say, because here's the thing that, that, you know, that struck me as interesting is, okay, because obviously Donald Trump would have left Afghanistan. I mean, he basically said, we're on our way out the door. So this is a policy that would have continued. The question is, you know, how they would have left and withdrawn. Would we have, you know, figured out a way, uh, you know, to get our people out, get those Afghans who we've been promised they would get out, out. And and knowing full well that this probably was going to be the end result. And But I think it's the fact it, that in, they didn't even – In what world do you – okay, you I know you like sports and everything. But okay, let's take it to your ba- I'll take it to your baseball. In what world do you announce to the opposing team exactly what you're going to do? Yeah. You see well, what I'm saying? Well, you say, what your game yeah. plan is? Do you always do you do that? Do you share notes and just give them the notes and go, okay, this is what I'm going to do. This is how we're going to beat you. And they're looking at your game yeah. plan, going, yeah, right. Well, thank you very much for the hat. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're right. You know? I mean. In- 
Yeah, you're right. In the you sport, don't do but, that. Yeah. Nobody does yeah. that. Yeah. But, I mean, the bottom line, we were headed out the door one way or the other. I mean, the, the, I, mean I think most of But I think this, what this to me was, was sheer incompetence. And, and, and it's not and sheer incompetence. So, you know, the thing that we supposedly said was over is here. And maybe the question I would throw back because you know, I mean, to me the intelligence was way off. I mean, did I mean, I mean, did they expect this quick of a collapse? You know, this will be gone this quickly. Uh, and I, I would say my own theory has always been is that he wanted to get out and and figured, well, you know, if I got ninety days, if the if the government holds out for ninety days. In three months, we'll be thinking about something else anyway. The media will cover up any disasters that may happen as long as we got everybody out. Uh, we got everybody out. And, and obviously, that's not what happened. But that also kind of says something else, too, namely, you know, how, you know, the total incompetence of the administration. I mean, this is not just a disaster, it's a disaster. And, more ways than one is an international disaster where our allies are asking who the, what the heck just happened. I mean, if you were Taiwan today, what would you be thinking? If you're South Korea today, if you're Poland, Czechos, <laughs> you know, the Czech Republic, you know, sitting across, if you were the Ukraine, what would you be thinking right now? Uh, because uh, here's a thought. My thought is very simple. Uh, you know, people always talk about you know whether or not uh, you know Joe Biden, quote unquote, is going to you know is, have dementia, whatever word you want to use, to describe his condition. He's a little slow on the uptake, whatever. But I've always thought there may be a simpler answer. The guy may never have been that bright of a person to begin with. <laughs> this is just a good example. Yeah. And if I'm a country, right, if I'm an ally right now, my first thought's going to be, you know, we're stuck with this guy for the next three and a half years. If this is this, you know, if this is his judgment, you know, what else is going to happen now? Your thoughts? Well, I don't think that uh, Joe Biden has always been this way. As far as the incompetence, Part, and we keep saying uh, incompetent, incompetent. Incompetent to me indicates that you don't have the ability to fix something. Um, I was more shocked than all that. Okay, we got a boo-boo here. Let's fix it now. Um, let's go back to the game plan. Even Bill Clinton threw a bomb. You know what I mean? At yeah. some point yesterday or the day before, uh, you know, I don't think he's Democrat or Republican, but I mean, come on, dude. He could have thrown the bomb. They would have scattered back. He could have done yeah. something like that, and they would have scattered back, and we could have, you know, at least gotten some uh, order restored. Um, but uh, yeah. letting this happen and letting it happen to the degree um, where, you know, people are suffering, veterans are suffering right now, people are, are, are Worried, you know, what's going to happen here? You're opening the borders, you're doing this. On the same day, almost, you're going to open the border, you know, demand that the borders be open. Give me a break, dude. 
Um, yeah. And not understanding the culture. I mean, you've been in yeah. politics this long, and they've talked about these people for this long. You know, um, you know. I I just think that there's a, 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 a how do you say it? A lack of uh, caring. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah they're they're I, I so focused it, on their own agenda and goals that it's not necessarily yeah. incompetence because I do believe that he knows how to make these decisions. Um, but man, uh, I think maybe this is part of his handlers and, you know, let's give everybody rose petals and think that they're going to be all peaceful and friendly. Well, I'm not sure. Yeah. No, I, I think quite honestly, I, I think, Joe, that the problem you ran into with this particular case, it was something totally not thought out. Uh, that's because it's self-evident. It's something that a, they didn't have an op, you know, they didn't have plan B or plan C uh, or a contingency plan. And now we've got, here's the thing. We've got some. Well, they're so focused on not following Donald Trump's strategy yeah. that they screwed their own. You know, because his strategy yeah. was let a little bit out. Okay, if we have any insurrection, we're going to, you know, take care of business right then and there. You know, yeah. we're not going to do this this way. And and there was a plan. And and yeah. like I said, no, you don't tell everybody what what your plans are. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's yeah. Well, the other thing that comes in play here because this is a good point you've just made, uh, and that is, yeah. If Donald Trump was forward to do the complete opposite, uh, and there's been a lot of that instead of, you know, looking at what's been accomplished and what, you know. And this goes back to, okay, two two aspects in the Middle East that comes into play, and it would be a good time to talk about it. Number one, you know, we had what I would call the Abraham Accord, where he basically has formed what I would call an anti-Iranian alliance among the Sunni and the Israelis combined. And, he, you know, and the first thing these guys did was pretty much – abandoned that approach and went back to the old original, let's start negotiating with Iran. Let's do another Iranian deal. Because we know the first one was so great. It was almost as if, well, Trump did this, we have to do the opposite. Now, Trump did this on the border, we're going to do the complete opposite. And, uh, and, it, and, and here's the thing, we have something like, uh, all right, all of Two thousand and twenty, there was something like four hundred fifty thousand encounters at the southern border, whole year, whole year. In the six months that Joe Biden's been president, there have been over a million. With each month getting larger and larger and larger. Portion of these, and it's quite a few of these, also have COVID. Uh, you know, it's kind of like we need a vaccine. You know, when I go to New York, I'm going to need a vaccine passport to get into a restaurant. But you don't need a vaccine right. passport to get into the country illegally. Not only that, but they'll even put you up in a hotel. Oh, well, if you look at some of the pictures, you don't even have to have a mask to be on the plane if you're from Afghanistan. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah, so, but, you know. <laughs> well, no, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I mean, 
you know, this is you know, kind of an interesting point here because, you know, it's almost as if if he's for it, we're against it. And it was almost like, okay, I, uh, he had the plan. You know, for whatever reason, they said, okay, whatever Trump's plan was, we're going to, you know, throw it in the garbage and we'll come up with our own. Correct. And now we right. see what the plan was. <laughs> we see what their plan was. And you so, know what? Just Trump's plan. It was the military people and the intelligence and the people that were behind him when he had that. Plan. You know what I mean? It wasn't yeah. just Trump's plan. You know, I doubt that he sat down at the table with a map and said, "This is how we're going to do that." No, I mean he probably had a little bit more because he's a business dude. But you know, yeah. a little bit more input. Well, but I don't think he did that. I think that was you know, the military command at the time that, that presented that to him. Yeah. Well, hold on, I thought this is Tom Donaldson, Donaldson Files here on the Bachelor News Radio Network. You might know me, I'm 50 Cent. You may follow my tweets, my Facebook friends, odds are a few in six degrees separate us. We're that close. What's crazy is one in six don't know where their next meal is coming from. These are your co-workers, your neighbors, your friends. Hunger's too close for us to ignore. So visit feedingamerica.org slash hunger and find your local food bank to see how you can make a difference. From one close friend to another, let's do this. I'm 50 Cent, and together we are Feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. Napa know-how. Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolor paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Donaldson Files here on the Bachelor News Radio Network. If you want to listen to this show at any time, or you can go to the Bachelor News Radio Network, and we're on three, you know, twice a day at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time every day here on the Bachelor News Radio Network. And we also have some other great shows. You and the Law will be following this show on this particular network, so stay tuned for that as well. And uh, all right, here's I'm going to read, I'm gonna, like I said, I know you've read some of this, but I'm going to read it for the audience a little bit here. Um, All right. Yeah, because, you know, you know and I, again, you know, the, the thing that comes into play, when I talk about the mediocrity side of the equation, uh, you know, there, you know we, we talk about, you know, the you know, coronavirus. And, I, and I, I've always been a fan of Kevin Roach. You know, he he has a website called Healthy Skeptic. It's one of the best websites. Uh, if you want to know everything about the you know coronavirus, this is one of the best sites because literally he has updated studies, data analysis upon data analysis. The guy's been in the healthcare business for several, you know, for decades. And and I and and yesterday. You know, he made this statement. I'm going to quote him, but then I'm going to quote myself now and get your impression. He started off saying, I am so sick and fighting outright lies, misleading information. Delta does not cause more, does not cause more severe disease. It causes a less severe disease. It's not far more contagious. It's slightly more contagious. It doesn't affect children any more than prior strains. The vaccines will have a slightly reduced efficacy against the Delta virus. National immunity 
co-infections are as good as the immunity derived from vaccinations. The vaccines are good at limiting serious disease and death. And and then I know, and I did this, by the way, on the uh, website, uh, my website, DonaldsonTFiles.com. And, and these are the, some of the things that I put down. You know, this is a virus. The infectious fatality rate is 0.2 to 0.4, which is 2 to 4 per 1,000. The average flu season is 1 per 1,000 with ranges of 3 per 10,000 to 1.7 per 1,000 in 2018. In 1957, we had at least 2 per 1,000, maybe 3 per 1,000. I did not know before this pandemic began. I did not even know the 1957 pandemic happened. Uh, or even the 1968 pandemic, which was almost as bad. Uh, the coronavirus has a high incidence of serious illness among the elderly, those with an underlying condition, those overweight. The flu hurts young people more. The lockdowns are a complete failure, and there should be no doubt. And the data that I've collected over the, the past year and a half has shown there's no real significant difference in deaths between lockdown and non-lockdown states. Those states, Democratic states that were more restrictive versus Republican states that are less restrictive. And uh, I made the point that there are a couple of people, examples of two people who had already been infected, but their doctor stated that there were conditions they had that may have precluded them from getting a vaccine and figuring out. You know, the vaccine. And then then I said, well, then I made the point, no vaccine passports for a simple reason. Number one, if you've been in, if you had the virus, you already got some immunity to uh, the back, to the virus. You already got that immunity. You know, you may not need a vaccine. And, uh, I mean, those are some of the things I stated. I don't know if you have anything to add to those or agree or disagree. I'm still going back and forth on how accurate are the tests, yeah. you know? Well, that's a good, yeah. That's how a good accurate. There is no well, test for the Delta variant. That was a yeah. whole propaganda. That, that To me, that was an entire propaganda thing. Yes, there may be a Delta variant. Yes, there may be this. You know, there may be. They were doing that on probabilities. I said it before, I think, when I was talking to you. That, that, that thing just drives me nuts. It is a fear tactic. It's propaganda. It keeps people on their edge, number one. But they're not watching this other stuff that's going on. If you're more worried about whether or not your store is going to open or yeah. close or you're going to have your business or, you know, who's going to pay your next bill. But, I, I mean, I will tell you, um, you know, to me, it. it not to sound callous or cold or anything. Yeah, I've got, had several friends that have had it, and they've survived it. They were younger, but they survived it, um, having tested positive COVID. But I kept thinking, wait a minute, how accurate is this yeah. testing once you've already had it? Well, you know? that's, a, that's an interesting point. That's an interesting point. Because the PCR, for example, what they do is that they, I'm going to use the word they have cycles. You know, there are certain cycles that they use to try to find viruses. You know, they, and if you have a too high of a cycle, which is what most of these tests do, is they're identifying a, that you may have had a coronavirus in the past. 
It doesn't mean you're infectious. If you have, like, for example, I think if if you have a PSR cycle under 30, yeah, you're you're infectious. If it's like if you're catching right. it at 37, 38, 40, uh, uh, you're not infectious. You may have had it, or you may have had a coronavirus cold sometime in your life. But the reality is that a lot of people have this, you know, where they don't know that they had it. They only get tested because, well, I'm as going to get tested, you know. And and I think quite honestly, I mean, to me, I think we overtest for that reason because we're picking up people who may not necessarily be infectious, but we're not necessarily picking up people who should be treated either. And we certainly don't do this well, with the flu. I mean, you know, with the flu, I you know, that, you're, you're, uh, go ahead. I think that each person needs to be responsible, you know, at some point. Um, you know, I, I've been vaccinated, but I was pretty much forced to be vaccinated to, you know, be able to go into a nursing home. You know, I, yeah. I, we, we felt like we had very little options at that time. Um, and so I actually did some research on the three different vaccines. Yeah. Lo and behold, I picked the one that, that um, you know, they had already dealt with the Delta variant with that one. You know what I mean? So I was like, yeah. okay, fine. Well, um, I, I didn't run out nilly-willy and just get it. And right now they're talking about people having to get boosters if you're over a certain age. And yeah. um, I was talking to my elderly father, and he says, I don't think I need a booster because I didn't have this one. I had this one. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Well, I mean, here's the yeah, but here's the thing. I mean, here's the problem I have. First one, number one, uh, and again, second year I had a flu shot, dude. You know, yeah. So what's the difference? Yeah, and, what's and the problem? That, yeah. I mean, here's the thing. This is the here's the problem with all of this, and this is where the credibility, and I go back to the mediocrity side of the equation, where our government has been just totally mediocre in how they've handled this, because I mean, and essentially, if you would have, if you would have told people at the beginning, here's the thing: we have the vaccine. You know, it's ninety-five percent effective. Uh, we don't know how long it's going to last. We're, we're keeping an eye on that, but uh, yeah. So we can't guarantee you get the virus, but if you do, the chances of you getting it, you know, less severe disease is a possibility. And two, right. down the road you may just have, like get a vaccine, just like we do with the flu season. Like my wife told me, she said, "Well, you know, exactly. we do this every year with the, we do this a flu season." But see, here's the thing: every they year with the flu season. Yeah, and I was saying, you know, if they would have done all of this up front. And said, and said, you know what? You know, take your mask, get your life back, you know, wash your hands, sanitize, do whatever you need to keep doing, uh, and get back to normal, like you do every respiratory season. Uh, we'd be so far ahead on this. Tom, as and you said, this though, how do we how do we not get the Zika, the Zika virus? Pardon me. How do we not do we get, get the Zika virus? How do we not get it over here? I have no idea. You see what I'm saying? Uh, and it was such an outbreak, and it was such a horrific thing, and it was as horrible as killing everybody all over. How do we not get it? Yeah. Yeah. That's where that's where I, my thing is, is how do we not get that one? Is that yeah. that one? You know, I always say. <laughs> but then now yeah. the whole world is getting COVID. Well, that's a good question. But yeah, that's a good question. 
But I would suspect in the case of Zika, you know, how contagious this is compared to a respiratory virus like the coronavirus or even influenza. That I don't know. Well, at that time it was supposed to be highly contagious. Yeah. For all the healthcare workers that went over there to help, you know, with it um, and couldn't get back home. And I don't know if you recall the pictures of the nurses that had to be in the parking lot quarantined in tents. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Okay. It is a virus that's actually transmitted by a mosquito. So it's not necessarily transmitted by breathing or aerosol like this virus is. So I would suspect when you have a virus where, you know, okay, it's caused by mosquitoes or selected mosquitoes, uh, that you can leave. Do you see what I'm talking about? There have been outbreaks of viruses all over. And even, I mean, I got Skeeters. My God, this is South Carolina. We're Skeeterville. Yeah. Um, how come, it, how, did it, how did it not get here? You know, how did this not get, you know, and you ask yourself those questions. Why yeah. is this this way and this this way? And COVID is all over the world. And apparently yeah. you're not worried about it coming from Mexico area and crossing the border, but you're going to yeah. let Canada close its borders. You know, it's just a really, really bizarre, crazy, and inconsistent. You talk about yeah. the mediocrity of it, and to me, it's more the inconsistency of everything. There is nothing, nobody well, can believe anything me, because of the inconsistency. I did, exactly. Well, so here's the thing. Because, uh, I mean, that, there's a point right there. Because a lot of people, you know, you know, we've had mixed messages on the mask. We've had mixed messages on a lot of different areas. And if you read the science, you know, you basically a cloth mask, essentially a placebo. Uh, you know, that's what you got, and uh, and yet, you know, we were told, you know, and and I think, quite frankly, there's enough people out there thinking, well, wait a minute. Uh, you know, you said this a while back. You said this a while back. You said this a while back. And none of this oh, goodness gracious, or, I remember when Fauci said, no, we didn't need masks, but the hospital workers need masks, and the local hospital down here was like, yeah, bring us your N95 mask because we got to fight this thing here. And then, like, two weeks later, we're on lockdown, and everybody needs a mask, and I'm like, wait a minute, I just donated my N95 because you said I didn't need them. Yeah. What? And they give you a yeah. – Oh, man, I'm serious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but see, these, so you know, no, I don't forget that yeah. kind of. I don't forget that kind of crap, man. Yeah, not well, doing I mean, too many twice. Yeah, yeah, we get, and that is the interesting point about all of this. But here's the thing: we got the science wrong. Uh, you know, to me, the most incredulous aspect from this from day one, and and I'm going to go back to a, you know, because like I say, I've been following this quite a while, and and I got a pretty good track record. Yeah, I said last you know, April, you know, that you know, we're gonna find this virus is nowhere near as lethal, that a lot of people get mild cases. That we would have a vaccine at the end of the year, by the way. I did predict that. Uh, but a lot of people said that can't happen. And I would say this will have more damage to the economy than let's say the virus would do to the economy. You know, I still you know, things I got right. And, but these are not things that are rocket science because if you look, you know, at the the science and at the medical literature, 
this is what was you know a lot of what was going on in the medical journal pretty much. This is what we were listening well, I, to and seeing. And, I, I and do believe the thing policy. is lethal. Yeah. You know, I I I yeah. do believe it's lethal. I mean, I, I will say that. Well, I do I, believe I, in the lethality I say lethal, of it. Here's the thing. When but, I say lethal, here, but but yeah, TV I mean. is lethal. Cancer yeah. is lethal. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But here's the, when I say the word lethal, what I'm gonna, I'm going to go back to the point I said earlier: it's two to four per thousand, which is slightly more than the flu, an average flu season. Okay. Yeah, we were being and and certainly if you look at this. We were told there were people telling us we would lose two million people. It was going to be ten times the flu. 10 That's times true. The they flu. told us everybody's going to die. You know, if you get around yeah. anybody, you're going to die. Yeah. yeah. And and the reality was it was about maybe. Don't one see fifth. your grandkids because you're going to die if you see your grandkids. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's one fifth. The one fifth. The lethality of the flu, or one third the lethality of the flu. Yeah, you know, that's a worst case scenario. And so it was nowhere near as lethal, and we viewed it as such. Uh, we viewed it as such, and that was the ill. And again, and that was you know once you that's once a you lose credibility. Yeah, but this right. does, you know, it, you know, my point is, once you lose your credibility, you very rarely get it back, and that's part of the issues that we have. Whether it's the mask, whether it's the vaccine, is that there are enough people out there what they're being told because they've been burnt on this before. And like I said, I'll never trust Dr. Fauci ever again. I don't care what comes out of that dude's mouth. Well, I'm going to put this for doing way. me that way. You know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I blame it on him. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. It, it's an, he was it's, supposed to be an expert. He was supposed to be an expert. Absolutely. Oh, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget this is the Bachelor News Radio Network. Uh, you can listen to this show anytime on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Uh, dot airtime dot pro let me get this again um uh, the bachelor news dot airtime dot pro we're on uh four p.m every day eastern time we're on 11 p.m 11 a.m every day eastern time also we're on streamyard.com we're on tunein.com in tune so we're on quite a few that you can listen to our shows in so many different ways and uh, but again, you know the Bachelor News Radio Network dot airtime dot pro. You get all of our shows, and and the you and the law will be following this show uh, uh, shortly on this network, and you can listen to that show as well as Chief Humphrey and Chief Virgil Green talk about you and the law and how it impacts you, in particular communities of color. So, okay, now back to what we're discussing here. All right. Now, here's the, the other aspect comes in play because this is the next great crisis we're going to have. Uh, and what I'm about to say here, you know, we look at the climate change issue, and, it, and once again, we got yet another horrifying, oh, my God, the world's going to end. Yeah, I don't know. How many ends of the world have you survived so far in your life, Pam? Oh my goodness! There was, uh, I think, the 1980 uh, end of the world was supposed to end. Then 82, I remember 82, 84, because they read the Mayan calendar wrong. Um, then we had 1999 and the millennium, the 20, you know, 2000, World 2000, um, and then uh, what is it? Um, 2002 
and 2004 because they read the Mayan calendar wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, here's that. Right, I'm gonna say, yeah, no, no, but I remember again, right? Yeah, the 1970s. I was told we will all have a new ice age, and it's all going to get cold. All right, and then. Well, we did actually have a mini ice age. We did have a mini ice age. It got really cold. Yep. I mean, we did have one in the 70s, but it was a mini ice age, and and that is when the temperature yep. stays below a certain degree for a certain amount of time. It doesn't mean that it yep. is for 12 years yep. or 10 years. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, absolutely. So so, there yeah. was one recorded then, I think. Sure? Well, I mean, yeah, but, yeah well, the thing is, because we were going through a cold streak, and that was the thing. We were going to have a new ice age. It's going to be cold. It's going to be you know, hello, he's going to freeze over instead. And then about in 1988, we were told, no, hell's not going to freeze over. It's going to really melt us all. But, right. yeah, and this again, it, it comes down because here, you know, Bjorn Lomberg is a very interesting scientist. Yeah. He's an economist, an environmentalist economist, who over the years, you know, has done a lot of economic, you know, a lot of data analysis. You know, and and by the way, he does not dispute that human activity plays a role, and he's had for years called for more research into safer and different energy sources. But he also stated recently, you know, this. He said, "Look, we have more CO2 in the atmosphere, but it, and this is his word, acts as a fertilizer, and has created profound greening of the planet." One NASA study found there was a period of 35 years. We've literally averaged greening areas across the world the equivalent of the continental United States. In other words, the planet is not getting browner, it's getting greener. He also observed that people are more likely to die in hot weather, I mean in cold weather, than hot weather. So in other words, if you're going to survive – you're more likely going to survive uh, a warmer temperature than colder temperature. And anywhere from you – know, there have been studies done anywhere from like nine people will die in cold to two people will die in cold versus only one person dying in a heat wave. Which leads me to wonder, you know, we're being told once again we have to figure out a way to, you know, Control CO2, it's getting greener, which is, by the way, not what was predicted 30 years ago. And it, and it goes back to the question you know that we have with the coronavirus, namely, we have a lot of bad science out there, it being used as a basis for public policy. Your thoughts? Oh, Tom, I got a tacky thought. But I'll just go ahead out with it because I'm a tacky person. So if the coronavirus is killing half of the population of the world, then that's half of the population that is not breathing and emitting CO2. Yeah. So therefore, we fix it with the coronavirus. You know, I mean, if you want to look at it like that. (laughs) You know, I'm just sarcastic because I'll get out. But um, no, the climate is going to change. It always has changed. The, the continents yeah. are moving again. They never have quit moving, and nobody ever wants to even look at that um, because the continents have moved um, and continue to move. So, therefore, you're going to get your tidal changes and your 
your ocean changes and, 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 you know, changes in flood zones and floodplains and things like that. Um, and that's evidenced by going out to the desert and digging up, um, you know, fossilized fish um, because the continents have always been evolving and moving. You know, people were worried about Antarctica and the North Pole. We've always had wobbles and shifts in our planet. These things have always happened. And are we going to go? Well, yeah, we probably will go through another ice age, but I think we've got another couple of millennium to go on that one. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's as close as they think it's going to be. Um, however, what does yeah. that mean? Well, during the ice age, the entire planet wasn't covered by that, just part of it. You know, uh, yeah. that's the whole, it was a shift, it was a shift wobble type deal going on. Um, yeah. Are we going to get hit by solar rays and everything and burn ourselves up? Well, you know, that's a possi- That's more of a, a possibility, and everybody's electronics are going to get fried, I think, would be more of a possibility, in my opinion, than uh, the heat and the cold. I, I, I don't believe that, in my opinion, I don't believe that whatever we're doing is is going to change how the Earth is going to react, because it's been reacting to stuff all along. You know, you still yeah. got volcanoes, and that is the primary the primary culprit. Are, is somebody going to plug those bad boys up or what? You yeah. know, I'm yeah. all for geothermal heat. I'm all for that. But yeah. learn how to work it, you know. I, anyway, I, yeah. you know, I can go on and on about that one. I'm just thinking. Yeah. You know, this is all right, here's the thing. we got about okay. three, we've got four minutes left. And I wanted to touch very briefly because I did a piece on Field of Dreams on DonaldsonTFiles.com. <laughs> And yeah, and and, and and so I wanted to kind of read a few things on this, and then we're going to probably end the show. But on August the fifteenth, DonaldsonGFiles.com, uh, you can read about the field of dreams and my thoughts. Turning upside down, America looking rather pathetic and confused. Um, we witnessed Afghanistan's collapse and twenty years of sacrifice down the toilet. I think back to the Yankees-White Sox game at the Field of Dreams. Baseball began at the beginning of the Civil War, and the first professional team, the Cincinnati Red Stockings, began 1869 during President Grant's first term. The National League was formed in 1876 as President Hayes won a controversial election. And after that, the American League became – now the American became a world power – during the Spanish-American War, the American League was formed to, to compete with the National League. The first World Series was played in Theodore and Roosevelt's first term. World War I, the Great Depression, World War II, baseball was there. And during the post-World War II era to the present, the scene, the beginning of the computer age, guess what? Baseball is still here. Now, here's the rest of the story. Denise Stillman. Now, remember, the aim of the movie was build them, they will come. And, build you know, it, Denise Stillman. Yeah, build it, they will yeah. come. Yeah, and she built – she was a young – she was a businesswoman who had a group of investors. They bought the field. They wanted to turn it into a, a, like a mecca of young baseball you – know, for young baseball league and have a dream of having a major league baseball game there. Fortunately for her, in 2018, she got sick with cancer. And passed away, but her dream continued to where today, you know, you know, this past, you know, a couple of weeks ago, 
we saw the Major League Baseball have a game there. And here, to me, what I always thought was the kicker. The White Sox, Jim Anderson, did what no other White Sox has ever done since Shoeless Joe Jackson in 1919. Beat the New York Yankees with a walk-off homer. Now, how about that for – yeah. That was your so field of dreams. Field, it's a field. Let me say, I want to see – I do plan to go back and see what they did with the stadium because I've seen it without the stadium where just the cornfields. So, right. But I want to – yeah. Well, I want to thank you, Pam, for coming on the air, being patient at thank the beginning you, of the show. Thank you, Thank uh, you. And tomorrow night, we're still working on some guests to deal with the Afghanistan issue, uh, both on the Dr. Larry Show and the, doc, and the Donaldson Files. We'll give you more information on that as we hear. And, and this is Tom Donaldson saying good night from the Donaldson Files on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Welcome you to You and the Law Podcast Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network. We're glad everybody is able to tune in and join us for another episode of You and the Law Podcast Show. And today, me and my co-host, who goes by the name of T Swag, we have got a uh, a guest who's going to be joining us here pretty shortly uh, uh, to talk about. What she's doing to raise the awareness of, of, of homelessness across the United States, but uh, uh, T Swag, how you doing today, brother? What's going on, brother? How you doing? Man, I'm doing good. That's good, man. Hello to all the listeners out there. Yeah, exactly. We want to thank everybody for for taking the time to tune in and to to listen to. Uh, to, to the show today, and as we uh, mentioned, we're going to be uh, bringing on um, a lady who is doing some amazing things, uh, uh, Keith. Uh, she's traveling across the country, uh, raising awareness uh, for homelessness, and uh, she is uh, she started on the West Coast, and she's going to the East Coast, so um, we uh, team mom. We're going to be talking with uh, Team Mom, who is going from the uh, who started out on the West Coast, Keith, and is and is traveling to the to the East Coast to feed the homelessness. So, uh, Team Mom, how you doing today? Hey. Are you Team Mom? How you doing? doing? I'm doing good. How you doing? 
we're doing good. We got a little uh, background noise there. Uh, we want to try to uh, make sure we are in an area where uh, there's not a lot of noise uh, so we can have a... That's not on my end, uh, 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 T-Brain. That's, that's somewhere else. Okay. All right. All right. Well, Team Mom, um, you know, we, we're glad that you're able to to join the uh, podcast show and talk to us about what you're doing and um, raising the awareness of uh, a homeless across the country. And you, uh, what you, uh, it's called Unity Ride Unity for, the Ride for the Homeless. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And so you um you started this journey on on the uh out on the west coast where where you're from and you have uh traveled through Arizona you've traveled through New Mexico actually, you've traveled through through, through actually, Oklahoma. I live, I live I live in California I'm from Louisiana and I believe Chief, Chief Humphrey when I went through Arkansas he was actually in Louisiana when I was servicing his state Oh, okay, okay, all right then. Well, okay, all right that then. Is, that is correct. That is correct. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I told her you were in New Orleans when when you came when she came through at Little Rock. I keep tabs on everybody, Chief. <laughs> okay. Well, good, good. <laughs> but well, your good. officers, your officers, they treated me with much respect. Well, great. I think well, I'm glad about they did. This. That's what we. That's what we work. That's what we work on. Yeah, we, I know. we work on that. So I'm glad. You guys are doing an excellent job. Even in Oklahoma, the officers treated me with much respect. The state troopers, the highway patrolmen, everybody treated me with much respect. And I appreciate well, that because I. I love working with our officers across the United States. Well, good. So, so Team Mom, tell us how you um, started this Unity Ride for the Homeless. How did this here uh, come about to, to uh, want to make you get involved with uh, actually, reaching out to the homeless? Which... Actually, the, uh, the journey has been all my life. I just didn't realize I was on it. I've always helped the less fortunate, and I've been in the homeless situations myself. You know, um, Katrina, before Katrina, uh, after Katrina, a house fire, uh, a 7.9 earthquake. I mean, I've, I've, I've dealt with homelessness all my life, and, and what better person to spread awareness to try to go out and help somebody that's in a situation that you've been in. But the yeah, Unity it, thing, I named it last year. Okay. So, I named, so where did you come up? Where did you come up with the, uh, with the name uh, Unity Ride for the Homeless? Because uh, I, I'm, I'm an old country girl. I ride horses. So, you know, okay. I got to thinking, I need to 
some of my trail riders and and we come across country with horses. We actually had three horses on this journey last year, and it was actually supposed to be more than that. I was out in the COVID, and I didn't even know it was a, anything going on like that because I don't really watch a lot of TV. I'm always out in my community working. And uh, when I got out there, and, and people start texting me, well, we don't think we're going to come. We're not going to ride our horses because they got uh, COVID-19 out. I'm like, COVID, what's a COVID-19? And I said, okay. Um, so we wind up with three horses on this journey that went all the way across and back. You know, they met me in, I want to say, Nashville, Tennessee. You know, and we started across the country helping people letting, you know, uplifting spirits and feeding people, putting people in hotels, giving people uh, resources. Like I said, working with law enforcement, because in order for law enforcement to really be effective out there doing their job when they encounter homeless, they got to have resources. They got to have people that they could call. So I just started handing my cards out to them. And when I started doing that, in my city, the officers start bringing the homeless to my house. Oh, wow. You know, wow. and I was at my house. I would take and put tables out, barbecuing in my front yard, you know, letting them use my shower. I had a, a 87-year-old man. He just lost all hope, veteran. His wife died. He told me I gave him a reason to want to dress up. You know, because I told him, come on, go in my bathroom. What you think they make bleach and soap for? Just because you get in my bathtub and you dirty, you go, You think you're going to dirty a bathtub? A bathtub is to get clean in. Yeah. You know, yeah. doing stuff like that and letting people know that they're cared about and they're loved on, you know, that's the team mom way. I'm always going to be somebody's mama out there. I've had to deal with, I had an attorney. He wound up being my pro bono attorney for my charity. The charity is a new charity. Team Mom's been around forever. The charity was established in November, and it was given to me. And that's another story. But it was given oh. to me by a chief of police officer that paid for it. And he's also a veteran. And he's now a CEO of a multimillion-dollar company. He's seen something in my journey, you know, and and. and it's just, it's just, it's just been so many things. But being out on here on this journey is different from last year because I've dealt with yeah. 15 children that have wanted to commit suicide. We got a suicide okay. problem with these youth yeah, and do. being homeless in ways. You know, and yeah. our, our officers, I, you know, go ahead. Yeah, well, you I tell you what, we're, we're coming up and taking our first break, and we're going to take this okay. break, and we come back. We're going to get back uh, into the conversation of Unity Ride for the Homelessness, but you're listening to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Okay, forest animals, kids are coming to the forest, and it's up to us to make their visit a good one. Sparrow, have you practiced the most popular bird songs for the year? Of course. Catchy. I like it. River, how's the temperature? It's a refreshing 52 degrees, man. I love it. Uh, Turtle. He's not here yet, man. Uh, he's late every morning. Okay. Squirrel. The forest has been preparing just for you. To learn more about cool things to do in the forest, visit discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Confessions of a Potentially Perfect Parent. Brought to you by AdoptUsKids.org. I might look like an adult, like... 
a person who could possibly be a parent, but I have no idea how to talk like one. And everyone knows that if you want to be a parent, you have to sound good when you say things like, Don't make me turn this car around, or because I said so, or don't make me come back there. I don't even really know what those things mean, but I know that I actually believed my parents when they said them to me. How did they manage to sound so convincing? Here we go. Don't make me come back there. Oh, no, that's not tough enough at all. Kids can sense weakness. Don't make me come back there. Ooh, yeah, that's better. In fact, that kind of sounded like my dad. Weird. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. There are thousands of teens in foster care who would love to listen to you practice your dad voice. Call 1-888-200-4005 or visit AdoptUsKids.org for more information. This message brought to you by the... Welcome you back to You and the Law Broadcast Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network, where today we have uh, a special guest who has joined us uh, on the podcast show, and uh, she goes by the name of Team Mom, but she is the founder and president of what's called Unity Ride for the Homelessness, and so which we all know that there are so many people who are dealing with uh, homelessness across the United States, uh, and it, homelessness also uh, impacts a, a lot of children, and I don't think a lot of people really are aware of just how many uh, young people who are homeless, who are homeless and uh, who really need uh, a lot of resources, a lot of resources. So, um, again, uh, Team Mom, you know, what you're doing is, is – is um, is great for a, a lot of a lot of communities and a lot of cities across the United States. And so, uh, as you you mentioned before the break, just how vital law enforcement plays a role in um, being that first line of contact with people who are homeless. Yes, sir. And, yes, and, sir. Uh, and, and Keith, as you know, there there's a lot of cities who don't have a lot of resources for uh, for people who are dealing with uh, homelessness. And and so officers who do come in contact with them, Keith, they oftentimes don't have shelters may not be open, so there's limited resources. So, um, you know, this is something that – A lot of times they'll get thrown in jail. Um, and I wanted to make a correction. I'm founder and CEO of Team Mom Charities. Unity Ride for Homeless okay. is my journey. Okay, I just wanted to make that clear gotcha. to them. Um, okay. I, when I encounter police officers, I really try to gear them up. You know, and, and what I mean by gear them up, I give them the resources to help them out because it, it showed so much compassion in Desert Hot Springs where I live. I'm originally from Louisiana. When when I when I started dealing with my mayor and my city council and and uh, all my commissioners and everything like that in my city, I had a belt around my neck. You know, I let them know I wasn't coming, I wasn't playing. 
I, if I'm going to be a teen mom, I'm going to be that real mom. I'm going to be, I, I'm going to rule with an iron fist because I want everybody to do their job because I'm not going to do your job for you, but I will offer you an assist. That's all I'm out here doing, going across the country, offering an assist. I've been talking about this for 30 years. This is the first time in 30 years, in these last past two years, that people have actually listened to me. I've been fighting this good fight for a long time, but now that it has gotten where it is now, and we're in a pandemic, not only are we in a pandemic, people have lost their jobs due to this pandemic. The homeless problem, I went, I went in every city that I went to, I went to apartment complexes just to see the number of eviction notices that are on doors, watching people sit at a curb not knowing what they're going to do to get a place for them and their children, worried about whether their children are going to get taken by them by the Department of Children and Family Services. There are a lot of problems being caused by this pandemic because of the finances that people don't have. It's a lot of stuff going on, and it's really touching because I went to one city last year, and a police officer did not want to go and serve those evictions. He said, I got children at home. Now, that officer cried on my shoulder. What can you do, team mom? How can you help them? I, I could only put them in a hotel. He said, if I, evict, if I make them leave, look at those children. They're going to be looking at me like I'm the enemy. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You guys turn yeah. into the bad man. You turn into the bad man because you got to do your job. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and as you stated, uh, you know, this pandemic has has just caused to put another layer on a problem that already existed. Is there? And, and, yeah. uh, and Keith, uh, what what is in, in Little Rock? Uh, how is the, the homeless uh, situation there uh, dealt with? What kind of uh, relationship does the police department have with, with individuals who are uh, providing resources to, to the homelessness there? Oh, we have an amazing uh, relationship with the resources. Um, we just hired a full-time social worker to uh, help us, assist us with our um, homeless uh, population and also our uh, population that suffers from mental illness. But there's several amazing programs here. The problem is, is that you have individuals uh, who are homeless and who suffer from mental illness. Uh, they Some of them voluntarily do not want to receive those services. And so, yeah. Um, you know, it's um, it, you know that's the sad part. But those who those who want to receive services, there are services available. Could there be more services? Absolutely. Uh, there's a there's a location um, in um, uh, in in, in um, Little Rock, and it's called Jericho Way, and it's a daytime um, center for homeless. Uh, our homeless community, and basically they do job skills. They take uh, these individuals to look for jobs or take them to their jobs. They can actually come in. There's a clothing closet they can eat during the summer. Uh, they can actually come in uh, during the day and, and get cool. They can take showers. Uh, that that resource in itself is is uh, is available. And so we're we're looking at with this social worker. How can we create more or develop more partnerships uh, exactly. like this? Exactly. And what you do is, is you network across the country. Because if you notice, 
sometimes you'll see a homeless person and you may see them for like six months and they'll just they move on to the next if they're if they're career you have what you call a, a career homeless person. You'll see those career homeless people out with guys on
we got the word out, and Master Anderson was there. He was there last year to help me and eat some food, of course. He he had some people there that know these homeless people that have mental problems, and they came they came to assist. But I'm going to give you a scenario of Oklahoma. I went to a Walmart green, and there was a lady sitting in the middle of the aisle, holding a bucket, sitting on a chair that belonged to Walmart. And she had this look of she didn't know what to do. She didn't know what to do. But when I walked up, she was doing that, and she said, "Can I ask for a question?" And you know what I told her? I said, "The only question that's stupid is the one that you don't ask." You, a person that has a mental problem, and you have to talk to them like you care about them. Yeah. Well, well, hey, team, mom, we're 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 getting ready to come up on uh, taking our, our second break, but uh, we want to let we want to let people know who are listening to the show that uh, if you want to reach out to team moms and help support uh, team moms, that you can go to their website, which is. UnityRideForHomeless.com. That's UnityRideForHomeless.com, and uh, reach out, and uh, you can make any kind of contribution to to this char- charitable organization. But uh, we're going to take this break, and we come back. We're going to get back into the conversation of Unity Ride for the Homeless. But you're listening to you and the law on. Come tap your feet and snap your fingers at the Homegrown Music Fest, all free at the North Carolina State Fair in Raleigh, October 11th through the 21st. Three stages, 120 concerts. Details at ncstatefair.org. Love Radio. Having trouble with math or science homework? Call Rose Holman Institute of Technology's Homework Hotline a free math and science tutoring service for Indiana students in grades 6 to 12. Call toll-free 1-877-ASK-ROSE from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern Time, Sunday through Thursday. And a Rose Holman College student will help you with your math or science questions. The tutors are patient, smart, and pretty cool. Remember, it's a free service and a free call. That's 1-877-ASK-ROSE or visit askrose.org. Your mother-in-law just dropped in. It's dinner time, and she looks hungry. Time for a quick dinner. Think fast. Think eggs. Like an omelet with tomatoes and cheese. Quick, easy, delicious. So, she loves dinner, compliments your creativity, and finally admits you're not a shameless social climber who stole her baby boy away. All thanks to the incredible edible egg. For other quick dinner, lunch, and snack ideas, visit AEB.org. The incredible edible egg. The American Egg Board.
welcome you back to You and the Law broadcast show on the Bachelor News Radio Network. But we've got uh, on a, a very special guest who is on a journey to from the West Coast to the East Coast, and it's called Unity Ride for the Homelessness. And so we've got on Team Mom, who is right now is uh, in North Carolina, and uh, so she is uh, traveling across uh, North Carolina, uh, feeding the homelessness. And so, Team Mom, we're just glad that you're able to take a, some time out of your busy day to come on and talk about uh, your journey from the West Coast to the East Coast. Yes, sir. All right, all right. So, so we spoke earlier this morning, and you were in uh, North Carolina. What city are you in in North Carolina? And right now, I just touched down in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Oh, okay. All right. Well, well. Hey, if we got, we have people who who are listening all over South Carolina, North Carolina, and if you are in Fayetteville. Uh, and you're listening to to the show. Uh, let let the uh, let our listeners know where you're going to be at and um, how they can reach out to you and and um, what. Well, they can um, always reach me through my website. Okay, all right, and 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 that and we and I gave that website out earlier, which is www.unityrideforhomeless.com. And number four. Okay. Yes. Number four. Number yeah, that, four. yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, that's Unity Ride, the number four, homelessness.com. And so um, uh, everything you need to know about uh, Team Mom and, and what she's doing um, on her journey is, is all on her website. So we definitely want to encourage people who are listening, if you have a passion, just as Team Mom does about um, reaching out to those who are in need, um, definitely reach out to her and her organization and, uh, and, and, and do whatever you can to help because, as you know, uh, you know, anything helps uh, along the way to, to feed uh, people who need that assistance. What I do is, is I use my own retirement money to do this. So whether people donate to me or not, it's not going to stop me. Okay, that's great. I'm going to continue to use my money as long as it takes before people decide that they would like to help somebody. You know, um, I've done this all my life. and I pay my bills, and whatever's left, I go help somebody in need. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, well we definitely – yeah, well, we definitely can hear your passion about uh, what you're doing. And, you know, so what kind of response have you gotten from uh, the cities uh, uh, as you travel, travel from the West Coast to the, to, the, to the East Coast from, you know, whether it be a mayor, whether it be uh, a local police department or a local uh, homeless alliance association? Tell let us me, about let me start. Let me start with Flagstaff. Flagstaff was number one on my list, and um, okay. I got I, it. Was started out and last year. I, I I went and I donated uh, hand sanitizers all across the country. Uh, uh, a, a a company in Orange County donated um, 
quite a bit of stuff to me, and that was when the pandemic first came out, and I had a slew of uh, uh, Lysol. I mean, you know, it was like God just said, bam, you need this, and that's what I went out with, and people were looking at me like, how you get Lysol? Well, you know, hey, you get blessed with stuff. They say if you wait long enough, your blessings will come to you, and I'm, a, I'm very patient. Very patient. But in Flagstaff, I got a chance to work with uh, uh, Hope Cottage and the uh, Sunrise Rescue Mission. And I was supposed to cook at uh, the Hope Cottage, but they got locked down by the health department. And so the director over all of those called me and said, do you have a problem cooking in a mansion? I said, just give me a kitchen. It don't matter where it's at. So uh, I had a lieutenant. Well, he wasn't a lieutenant when I met him last year. He got a promotion, and I'm proud of that baby. Um, he uh, he uh, told me, he said, you're going to cook me some, 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 some Cajun food, some gumbo? I told him, no, you're going to eat what I cook. Uh, so I did cook for the Flagstaff Police Department as well because last year his officers assisted me in the park with uh, feeding the homeless. And um, this year I got a chance to actually go in and cook for two shelters and the police department. And I believe you and I were discussing a coin that I received. Um, yeah, says, yes. Sir, that coin says honor, protect, serve, and uh, it says one other thing. But I guess they were just trying to show me that they appreciate me by honoring me, by presenting me with that coin. And, you know, I come from law enforcement. I, I'm, I'm a military brat. I'm a military uh, uh, lover. I mean, I, you know, uh, I've got a lot of people in my family, got people in Kuwait right now. Uh, and and they support me, you know. I they 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 now those are some supporters. They they send money out of the money that they're making to serve the country for me to go out and service the homeless and those in need. So we can't mm-hmm. leave our military. Okay. Out. We can't we can't leave our military out because I mean their boots on the ground. And it's the same way with our police officers. They're boots on the ground. You got to recognize the people that are the boots on the ground to get people that are in need, in distress, to the ones that sit behind a desk. And I'm not counting out their jobs, but the ones on the ground are the ones that really see it. We're in this. We're we're in this war together. Homelessness to me is a war, and I'm fighting this battle, and I'm going to fight it with every mayor, every governor. If you notice, I sent you a list of governors and representatives of all 50 states. I took the time to sit down and write to each and every governor in our United States, and I wrote over 50 letters last year. Okay. So let them yeah. Every year, I'm going to add states. I'm not going to just go go to all the states that you see. I plan on adding states every year until I die, to, until I get to all 50 states to see with my boots on the ground exactly what's going on and who I can help. That's my goal. Well, and, and you know, again, you, we go back to – uh, you were talking about the uh, challenge coins, and, and Chief Humphrey, uh, I was telling her earlier that there's um, a lot of police departments across the country have these what's called challenge coins that are uh, kind of collectible items that are exchanged between agencies across the country. And so she has has received se- several uh, challenge coins 
uh, as, as she has traveled across many, many, uh, many other cities. So uh, I told her it is it, just something that is is uh, that agencies hand out, uh, uh, and, and it's kind of a collectible item. Mm. Well, I'm a, I collect people. Yeah. Well, and and I, I have to. Well, and I have to uh, tell um, uh, uh, T. Humphrey that Keith. So I made it my first mistake, uh, uh, and she corrected me real quick. And so when she, you know, says she's a team mom, she she got on to me uh, about I didn't call her to ask her uh, which photo could could we use for the for the for the podcast show flyers. So. Uh, she she kind of corrected me real quick, Keith. So she kind of put me in in my place and said, "Before you use another picture of me, you got, you better get my permission." But you know what, Virgil? I get it. We I have to put you in check. So I mean, that's just consistent. That's consistent, man. I mean, you ought to be used to that. <laughs> well, well. We have to do it lovingly. <laughs> no, I do it. No, I do it because it's needed. I don't do it lovingly because he asked for it. I'm a team mom. I, I got to do it lovingly. Mine's is different. <laughs> well, I, I, I love him. I love to. I love to give him a hard time. I got to come and meet you personally. I'm going to be coming back your way. I may be in North Carolina, but I am coming back to Little Rock, and I am coming back to Oklahoma, you know, and uh, I'd really like to get with you, and I'd like to get with you to go and vi- uh, go and visit, what did you say, Jacob's Ladder? No, Jericho Way. It's uh, And, and Mandy Davis does an amazing job. She's very passionate. I mean, I get phone calls and text messages from Mandy uh, 24-7 uh, when there's something going on. And, and if, some, if someone that she has as a client is in trouble, she will call to see what we can do to make, help that person. So I would love sure, for you to come and meet Mandy. Make sure that you get my uh, 951 number. That 951 number is for the law enforcement politicians that are here in the country. Okay. Yeah, you want to? Could you give that number out one more time? One number is my the number for police officers, law enforcement, military. I got a chance to work with our mounties, our 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 men on horses. Law enforcement on horses in Nashville. I mean, like I said, I just I try to stay in close contact because when I come to your city, for one, I want to let you know I'm there. And if sent a letter by some of your officers, I don't know if you received it or not. Chief Humphrey? Yes. Did you receive that letter that I sent to you by your officers? I haven't received no, ma'am. I have not received it. When did you give it to him this past Friday, this past Saturday when you were here? I gave it to I gave it to them when I was there. Uh, it wasn't Saturday because I left there and headed to uh, Memphis. So well, I will say this. I will say this. I will probably get it. It, it just 
it takes. I'm sure they send it through their chain of command. They're a little bit hesitant, and I don't know why. They're a little bit hesitant to bring me stuff directly. So it'll be. I'm sure I'll be getting it any day in my office. What I what I did was it was August the seventh to be exact. I gave it to one of your white officers, and I gave it to one of your black officers. I'll I'll get it. Okay. I I, I will get it. They will forward it to the. Yeah, I'll get it. Okay. Okay. Well, hey guys, that, hey guys, we're gonna we're coming up on uh, we're gonna take our last break. Uh, okay. So we're gonna take this break and we're gonna come back. And we're gonna uh, get back into the topic of uh, unity ride for homeless. But you're listening to you and the law broadcast show on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Greetings and great day, everyone. I am Elder Janelle Strickland, host of the Life Cafe Radio Broadcast from Maximizing Life Family Worship Center. I invite you to tune in every Saturday from 5 to 6 p.m. Tune in, maximize your life with the Word of God, and be blessed. Only on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Back to you and the Law broadcast show on the Bachelor News Radio Network, where we have on as a special guest uh, who goes by the name of Team Mom, and she is on a mission and a journey, uh, as we uh, as she calls it, Unity Ride for Homelessness, uh, and it's something that's called Forty Days and Forty Nights, uh, as she embarks. Uh, across the country she started on the on the west coast and she is on the east coast now and so uh team mom we we want to thank you for coming on the podcast show uh telling all our listeners about uh everything that you're doing with your unity ride for the homelessness and uh so we want want you to give out your website one more time so people can can follow you and uh, if they need to help you in any kind of way. Um, I have a Facebook page called Team Mom Charities. I also have a Facebook page called Unity Right for the Homeless. My website is www.unity4homeless.com. I'm also on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn or whatever they call that, and I think uh, 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 Chief Humphrey, I think you and I just became friends on that business page thingy. Thank you for accepting. I can't wait to get with both of you guys to personally finally meet you. It was beautiful on the radio, but it's always better in person, and maybe you guys will get a chance to taste some of that uh, home cooking food that I've been Spreading across the country, just cooking with love, baby. All right. Well, hey, hey, I know I can't wait, and I and and I can't speak for Chief. I know Chief Humphrey can't wait when you come back to Little Rock. So. Okay. All right. 
Mom, we want to again thank you for coming on the uh, on the uh, broadcast show and uh, talking with us about Unity Ride for Homeless. And we will definitely be back in touch with you uh, very soon. swag I'm here all right all right well, well hey um you know we want to here man okay all right well hey man we uh glad to uh you know get uh team mom on on the podcast show to talk about um you know her her uh unity ride for homelessness and you know Keith as you know I mean you know the there are so many people who are who are dealing with homelessness and a lot of it's not, it just doesn't affect uh a lot of older people it uh, impacts a lot of young people even kids that are that are in high school um uh find themselves uh in in situations where where they're homeless so you know we just you know on this we want to get her on the show to really talk about you know uh, what she's doing and how she's raising awareness of homelessness, uh, and also how how uh, local police departments across the country can 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 really um, assist people uh, when they're when they need assistance. I think the thing that she needs to be uh, commended for is that it's coming out of her own pocket. Um, I, I, you know, I didn't I didn't hear her say that she was getting grants or anything like that, but this is coming out of her own pocket. So that's uh that's commendable, and um, you know I, I, that's a, that's just a that's a godsend. There's not very many people that would do this out of their own pocket. Yeah, exactly. And and Keith, I mean, you know, uh, out of your own pocket, you you know, Virgil, out of your own pocket, um, you know, you might get a, um, you know, you might buy someone a hamburger, you might even buy somebody groceries and things. But the consistent they go throughout the nation and provide these meals is just an amazing. Uh, yeah, it, it definitely is. Yeah, it definitely is. Uh, L.A., you, you've got a, a comment? Uh, go ahead, sir. Well, I, I just wanted to, you know, commend you on, you know, the topic and your, your guess. I bet she needs to get off that horse and get in the car or something, because that was pretty <laughs> what's going on there. I'm, I'm teasing. Um, but you know, it, I, I think the biggest thing is, you know, with what she does and what people can get involved with, as it relates to your show, you guys in law enforcement, is having um, – compassion and humanity you talk about that all the time so I guess my question to both of you um, and I'll, I'll get off um, is you know is it you know is that the it seems like the right thing to do Chief Humphrey to you first because you just hired the social worker there um, to bridge the gap I know we uh, deal with you know homeless um, shelters and and other organizations that are Christian-based, that are just, you know, based in just helping people, homeless people. Um, so is it is it going to have, the, you know, from a law enforcement standpoint, you need a team of social worker or people who can go out and really 
I, I hate to say sell your product to help people to, to get people involved, especially businesses to, to, to have those resources and that compassion to help these folks. Cause I, Hey, yeah, full absolutely. disclosure, at full disclosure, I'm not ashamed to say I've been homeless at one point in my life. So I understand and, and I know how important yeah. it is. So, so go ahead. Uh, yeah. Please. So, yeah, so so LA, you know, it, it, it takes uh you know we we as police officers and police departments have limited access resources. And I think that's why it's been such a call for reform and uh of take some of the money they've budgeted and to provide that in programs, homeless, to assist those with their mental illness. So one of the things that we've done is that we did hire a social worker and our main focus is gonna be long term uh, proactive um, solutions. And so we realize that some of the individuals out here who are homeless are homeless by, uh, you know, things beyond their control. You do have individuals that that's where, that's where they prefer to be. They feel safe. They feel as though that's, that's their comfort zone. But a lot of the individuals are, are not getting the services that they need. And then let's turn it up a little bit. You do have that strong majority of homeless people who are suffering from mental illness. So yeah. all the time, you can't just continue to have police officers alone respond to those calls. You've got to have a team that consists of a social worker, and if possible, a mental health professional such as a psychologist, if, if at all possible, and see what the problem is. A lot of these times, these individuals don't get the long-term care. You know, They'll go for the short-term care, and they'll never go back. Uh, there are those individuals that don't have a driver's license. We did a program in Norman. It was called Community Outreach Program and actually paid for um, individuals to get their driver's license, to get their Social Security card. Well, not that you can get that free, but birth certificates, uh, driver's license or identification card, uh, haircuts, um, clothing, um, meal vouchers. Uh, we were able to do that as a police department. And, you know, you, 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 you really realize that it, it goes more into just giving somebody a meal. There are those individuals that have so many issues or so many concerns, but when you have those type of programs, you really find out what's needed uh, to assist these individuals. I think, L.A., what I'm, what I'm hearing you say and what's going on throughout the nation, the new concept is uh, to have a social worker, police officer, um, in, uh, social worker in, interns, but a, but a um, a unit that can go out and 24/7, 365, do the head counts, take information so they can know what resources they need. So instead of police departments or police officers responding all the time, uh, we're coming up with these um, th- these these innovative uh, response teams, and, and I think that that's necessary because police officers do not need to go out every time there's a homeless issue. Now, police need to accompany those social workers because there is some danger there. Not every person who's homeless or suffer from mental illness are dangerous, but you never know when that's going to occur. So you do need to have a police presence. But let the police department take the, be behind the scenes or take a step back and let the social workers uh, do their, you know, uh, do what they do best. But I, I, I well, you're right. It, I was just asking um, um, Chief Green to, to uh, Chief Humphrey. He's on the right track. What I was asking. I mean, you have Dare and all those other programs. So why not 
put to it, it, we have a uh, um, a organization here, a nonprofit, and they have a staff. Now they're not law enforcement, obviously, but I'm just saying if you're gonna as you, if you're gonna do it, um, you know, within law enforcement um, agencies, they have just a team, just their fundraising and going to get businesses involved. I know she said it's not just the money, but getting people involved, getting clothing, getting all that kind of stuff within this organization. So I guess I was asking you, can, you know, law enforcement do that, put together a team that that's all they focus in on, helping homeless, still doing the DARE and all the other stuff and the the mentoring programs, but, you know, really putting together a team to help homeless um, people like that and not using the officers that you need to go really go get the bad guys. Well, in, in LA, there there are some agencies that do have specialized uh, y- uh, units or officers, and that's all they they deal with are uh, people who are homeless. And so, and what they do, they just build a, a relationship with with these individuals. Now, some of them, just as uh, Keith said, some of them they decide that they don't want to go to a shelter. They may be staying in a tent city somewhere, and so that's where they want to be at. But one of the most important things is that these officers, they build these relationships with um, with these individuals, and so they bec- they trust the police, and the police can trust them. And so uh, you do find agencies who have units like those. Um, I, I know, you know, out in L.A., uh, you know they've got a a real serious problem with with their homeless uh, population, and they have units that are dedicated to nothing but dealing with the homeless. And it's not about arresting these individuals; it's about you know providing resources and services to them. And they also have additional um, you know private uh, organizations who are working alongside them. So. You do have some agencies, and especially in major cities, who are doing a really good job. But I think you know when we deal with, um, you know, there's a, you know, in in rural America, there's there's not that many resources, and a lot of police officers feel that that's not a part of their problem is to deal with people like that. And so um, there again, I, I think a lot of people. Uh, really need to understand it when you see a person standing out on the street corner with a sign saying, you know, we'll do anything for food. You you also have, uh, you know, somebody who is uh, going to high school and nobody knows that when that, when that uh, student leaves school, that they may not have a place to go to. So um, this, this is a problem that just not, it impacts our veterans. Every everybody uh, in our walks of life are dealing with homeless, just like you said, LA. You know, it's something that you dealt with, and so uh, this, you know, team mom, you know, what she's doing across the country uh, is is great, and she has a lot of support. You know, as she stated, she has uh, a lot of this stuff is uh, coming out of her own finance. You know, where she's financing it herself. Yeah, and, and Mark, I mean, I'm sorry, um, uh, Chief Green and, and Humphrey, Mark is on the line. Uh, he wants to, I, I believe, ask a question or comment. Go ahead, Mark. Okay. Uh, well, yeah, I, I just had a comment. I just wanted to uh, 
commend you guys on your format. Uh, first time listening to this, uh, Chief Humphreys, I, I've not met you. Um, Virgil, you know, I know you, so. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, we definitely want to thank you for, for listening to the, to, the, to the broadcast show. No problem. I think, uh, and, and on tonight's topic, I, I think it's worthy. Um, it, it's, it, it has to come out, and it has to be, uh, this is something that, that has to be spoken of, because um, ultimately this, this pandemic, it's, it's not getting any better. Uh, you know, your yeah. guest spoke of the, the situation with uh, the homelessness and, and, and evictions and things such as that. This stuff is real, so you know um, it, it's it's affecting everybody. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. It is, it is. Well, well, hey guys, we're we're getting ready to come up on the last minute uh, of the show, and uh, so uh, Mark, we definitely thank you for for tuning in, listening to to the broadcast show, and uh, you, you've been a, a faithful listener, but. Uh, uh, T Swag, uh, you know, anytime what, we can, anytime we can let our listeners know about uh, things that are impacting so many other people, and 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 talking with Team Mom was was uh, the information that we gave out. If, if people uh, want to uh, go to her website and follow her or follow her on our social media, and uh, uh, support that her cause in any kind of way, and we're going to give out the the website one more time. Uh, and it's uh, Unity Ride the Number Four for Homeless dot com. That's Unity Ride for Homeless dot com. And so, um, you know, again, you know, that's that's what this the platform of our show is about is is sharing information with our listeners. Uh, whether it be related to, you know, things that's going on in the police, uh, uh, between the police and the black community, or just or, or raising awareness about uh, social other social issues. And this was just a great topic, Keith. Yeah, it is, Virgil. And I, and I tell you, that's why I love doing this show. And, uh, uh, you know, it it it, it it's a topic that needs to be talked about. It's a topic that a lot of people run for them, but it's necessary. So, um, you know, if you can just do something nice for somebody, you never know what um, type of condition you'll be in tomorrow. I think one, all of us are just one incident away from a catastrophe. And so, yeah, so we, exactly. we got to remember that. Yeah, exactly. Well, hey, man, it's been a, a great show, and uh, we're going to do this again uh, next next week, but we want to thank everybody for tuning in and listening to you and the Law Broadcast Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Uh, so, Chief, we'll see you again next Tuesday, sir.
my room with my smoker's jacket on. The fireplace is burning and the girlie is warm. Time to make my move. So gently I kiss her, whisper in her ear, and tell her that I miss her. She might try to pop that boyfriend's junk, but I don't really care because I know he's a punk. I'll stop him like a roach if he tries to approach. He can't get close because I'm the one who won't. The book of romance, so come on, take a chance. You don't need a long look, all you need is a glance. If you want to get warm, in my arms you belong. You have a problem, have a problem, up it can't go wrong. When overweight doubles in the house, the house, the overweight doubles in the house, the house, the overweight doubles in the house, the overweight doubles in the house. You said I couldn't do it, then it got done. And after you and I did it, you said it was fun. Now every day of your life you want to be with me. When you got time to spend, you spend time with heavy D. I noticed that you hold me gentle as a rose. I'm rough and tough, baby, but then I suppose that I had to be held in order to start holding. I think I got your head, so let's start rolling. The overweight doubles in the house. 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 I can teach you heavy D's game plan. See the way that I am. There's a big lover man. Check out the rhyming and do time to be a heavy D fan. I'm a swift, you know, and overweight Romeo. Come get a piece of the beat because it's good to go. MC heavy D. Oh, ladies, I'm fucking. Big extra long, but still good looking. For you and I to swing on a romance free. All you gotta do is lean on me because the overweight lover's in the house. I'm an overweight lover, entertainer of many. Now when I do a party, now I mean I do plenty Girls out the crowd see the gold berserk They start yelling and screaming Every day go to work And when I'm through rocking and chilling at the disco They grab me up and squeeze me up They just won't let go That's when I know that there's been too much charming I put them in a line and say please don't squeeze the charming The overweight doubles in the house 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 The overweight doubles in the
right now. But if you leave your name and number, we'll get back to you.
Come on, come on. Thank you. 
in contradiction, get some factual and fiction. A little crazy, little sexy, little cool. Little rough around the edges, but I keep it smooth. I'm always left to center, and it's right where I belong. I'm the random mind, and don't you hear it made your song? But I Stop! 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 
women and fake thugs wanted the same. Ever since you told me, there's only room for two. I've been making less room for you. Now only God can hold me. Hug me, love me, judge me. The only man that hovers above me. Holler. I met so many men and it's like they're all the same. My appetite for loving is now my hunger pain. And when I'm feeling sexy, who's gonna come for me? My only problem is their insecurity.
Let me see you and your partner stroll. Step to the 